All right, let's take our Bibles this morning and turn them to the book of Philippians, chapter number 3. Philippians, chapter 3. We'll begin the, the morning by reading our, our, our text scriptures. Um, now, I, I'll tell you the way I've heard, a, I, I used to listen to an old preacher who, who said, well, I'm going to start reading now, and I'll, whenever I get the feeling from the Holy Spirit, I'm going to stop and preach. But we're not going to just read blindly. We're going to read the first 15 verses of Philippians chapter 3. So if you would stand with me, please, as we read from the Word of God. And uh, those of you who may have uh, illnesses or things like that, if, if it gets a bit lengthy and you need to be seated, please be happy to do so. Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse number 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, and he's not talking there about the four-legged breed. He's talking about false teachers, the two-legged breeds. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh... If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ." Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, Forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Let us pray. Our Lord, we praise you and thank you for your word that you've given to us. Lord, that it may teach us, instruct us, that it may guide us. And Father, we thank you for the Comforter, the Holy Spirit that you have given us. And we yield ourselves to him, Father, and mind, body, and soul. And we ask, Lord, that you would use uh, the Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit, uh, to instruct and guide us. We pray now as we endeavor to preach your word this morning that all that we say would edify the, the believers and would be used to your glory. Thank you for this time now. We ask you to bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In just two days, we will begin a new year. 
Though the segue from the year 2012 to the year 2013 will be seamless, it is commonly recognized as a starting point for change. Thusly, we refer to these changes as New Year's resolutions. How many of you here have ever made New Year's resolutions? Raise your hand. If you've ever made a New Year's resolution, raise your hand. People make resolutions every, every year. Some people make resolutions to diet. I make a resolution to diet every year. And it lasts until my wife places our New Year's lunch on the table. And then that's that. People make New Year's resolutions to exercise. Now, I'm, I believe the scripture. The scripture says bodily exercise profiteth little. And uh, I adhere to the word of God. Some people make resolutions to economize, to spend less money and, and to save all that they can. People set goals. They set goals to advance in their careers. They set goals to improve their relationships, their, their relationships, their marital relationships, their relationships with their children and with their relatives and friends. People set goals to achieve financial security. Uh, and, and they put their trust and faith in IRAs and savings accounts and, and, and mutual funds and money markets and all these things. And, and they set goals to reach financial security. I had a goal once to be retired at age 55. Surprise! <laughs> 55 is not going to be retirement for me and not for most of us. But alas, in most cases... By February, all these resolutions have been all but abandoned, stored away until the next new year. Then we take them out and dust them off and start anew with a revived resolve, only to repeat the cycle over and over again. Now this morning, I would like to begin by, by firstly defining exactly what it means to make a resolution. The word we use today, resolution, is, is originated in Middle English, uh, the 13th century, and was f derived from the word resolute. To be resolute suggests a firm determination set in action or set in motion by purpose and opinion. So our resolutions are the things that we determine to be needed in our lives for success both spiritual and secular success. So if these are things that we deem necessary, things that we deem that we need, then why do we repeatedly abandon them? I can only suppose that it is because we are not truly committed to them. They represent some ideal to us, something that would make us happier, something that would make us better, something that would make us more complete. However, when the, they become difficult to maintain these resolutions, what do we do? Well, we rethink their necessity. We, re, we reassess their value. And this is very true also concerning our spiritual resolutions. We enter into the new year with a desire to establish spiritual goals. Maybe to read our Bibles 
more, maybe to, to give more, maybe to serve more. But alas, when the, when the devil and the world and mostly our flesh challenge our determination to make these changes, and when we face daunting resistance, we abandon. But this should not be a surprise to us. For the scripture warns us about this. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12, we read, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And furthermore, we have no right nor reason to use this excuse. For remember the words of John in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4 where he writes, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. What is the them? The them there is the world and the flesh and the devil. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If we are to succeed in keeping our resolutions, we must be committed and we must lean upon the strength of the Lord to fulfill that which we have committed to him. Following his example. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, we read, For the which cause, Paul's writing, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. God says, follow my own example. I I keep and I honor the commitments I make unto you. Remember, we already saw that living for God will bring trouble and persecution to the life of the believer. But we have also seen that God has given us victory over the devil, the world, and the flesh. And we have his example in faithfulness to honor commitments. So we have no excuse to quit. Simply because it's hard to do. It's sort of like that old adage that states, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. But so often in the spiritual battles we face, the adage changes and would read, when the going gets tough... The weak get lost. Now, with the time I have this morning, I would like to suggest a few resolutions for consideration for this coming year. I have derived this list from my observations of the condition of our Christian church over the past three decades. A church which has become polluted with worldly philosophies, a people who have compromised the purity of the principles of God and his word. So what resolution should we, God's children, consider this year? Well, firstly, let me state that we should consider to resolve to worship God. I'd like for you to take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to John chapter 4. Let's all turn together to John chapter 4. And we're going to read a few verses from there. We'll begin reading at verse number 19, John chapter 4, beginning at verse 19. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, 
And ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Notice the words used by Jesus in verse 23 of this passage. He said, but the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. He said we must worship God in spirit and in truth. Jesus, Jesus further stated to the woman that God is a spirit. And, that the, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now what exactly did the Lord mean there? Well, to worship God in spirit and in truth implies that... Firstly, we come to God with reverence. 1 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 24, Samuel writes, Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things he had done for you. I'm appalled at the lack of reverence people who call themselves Christian have for the Father. The flippant way in which they present themselves before Him. The arrogant and prideful manners in which they offer Him their praises. God is greatly to be feared. He is a merciful and gracious God. But when you and I come into the presence of the Father, We need to, as a manner of speaking, be at our best. And let me remind you, we are ever in the presence of the Father. We're to, our worship should should include reverence for God. That, That would imply things like obedience to his word. Things like conformity to his expectations. We offer God our worship, and, and yet the average Christian on Saturday night indulges himself in every sinful thing he can think about, and then shows up to church on Sunday and offers God praise and worship. May I remind you, that is not what God is seeking. That is not worshiping the Father. For we don't worship God in one place. That's what Jesus told this woman, the, the woman. Neither, neither in Jerusalem or in this place will you worship the Father. We worship God. We should be worshiping the Father every moment of our lives. On the job. By being a good and faithful employee and, and honest and hardworking and, and working unto your employer as if you were working unto the Father in school. We're to worship God. You young people are to worship God in your school. Not, not joining in with all of the revelry and all of the, uh, the, the rebellion and the disobedience, but worshiping Father by honoring Him, by honoring His Word. 
We're to reverence the Father in our homes. We're to, we're to show God reverence in our home by, by the behaviors and by the, by the activities we select to participate in, in our home. We're to worship God means to come before him with reverence, to live in his presence with reverence. But not only with reverence, but secondly, in sincerity. Joshua and the 24th chapter of his book writes in verse 14, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. In sincerity and in truth. We're to be sincere about our Christian life. I think, I think some Christians have gotten to the stage where they think this is some duty. Almost treating it as if you were a Roman Catholic. Okay, we're going to go to church Sunday. That's going to be our duty for the week. The rest of the week, we're going to revel and drink and carouse and do everything we want to do. But on Sunday, we're going to go in there and we're going to, we're going to worship. No, no, since worship is, is living a sincere Christian life. Realizing that your father sees you. He sees all that you do. He knows all that you think. And living your life with an with a awareness of this. And a sincere, a sincere worship to God. But not only with reverence and insincerity, but also we, we come before the Lord as spiritual and not carnal. If you're saved this morning, then you are no longer a carnal being. You are now a spiritual being. And you should live your life spiritual. Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we were called. Walk worthy of the Lord. You know, the average Christian only appears in prayer to God when they're in desperate need. It's like the family who were having problems and the little boy came up to his parents. He just, he said, Mom, Dad, why don't we pray? And the father said, oh, has it come to that? Prayer shouldn't be the last thing on our mind. It should be the first thing on our mind. We should be spiritual people. Not carnal people coming to a spiritual place, but spiritual people. Our hearts given to God, denying nothing from the Lord giving him not only what he asks of us but giving him above and beyond what he asks of us 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 12 through 14 we read now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth but which the Holy Ghost teacheth comparing spiritual things with spiritual but the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God for they are foolishness unto him neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. We have become a nation of believers who have corrupted ourselves. And rather than make our life, change our life to fit God's expectations, by and large, what has Christianity done? Change God's word. 
to fit our, their lives. We're to be spiritual people, loving God and putting him above everything else in our lives. And then to worship God means we come to him with the purpose of glorifying the Father. Romans fifteen six that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not with pride or arrogance. I'm so tired of hearing these television preachers who say, claim what's yours today. I got news for you. Nothing's ours. Nothing. God owes us nothing. Now, he's promised as a loving father to provide and care for us, but we don't have a right to come before God and claim what we think we need. Our purpose in life to glorify the Father, not, not, to, not to exalt ourselves, not to gather greater opportunities. We exist. You and I exist as the elect saints of God. We exist to glorify the Father. Now, let me ask you something. The things you do with your life, do they glorify the Father? Because that's why you're here. No other reason. God doesn't want you to, to work 20 years and, 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 and have a 401k and, or whatever it's called in heaven. Saying, okay, you did a good job. You earned all that money. Now we got it all up here in reserve for you. No. God, God doesn't need our help for anything. He wants us to glorify him by our life. It has been my observation that those who compromise Christianity today, they, they worship God, but they worship him when it's convenient to worship him. Oh, well, I got something else to do today. Oh, well, I can't, I can't follow God's principles at work because if I do, I'll get fired. Then get fired. But don't compromise your integrity concerning God. Felix told Paul in Acts chapter 24 and verse 25, he said, and as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Felix told Paul, "Uh, you know what? When it's convenient for me, then I'll call you. I'll let you know. They worship God when convenient. They also worship God for personal gain and gratification. You remember the story in Acts chapter 8 of Simon, the merchant, who wanted to buy the Holy Spirit? Because if he had the power that the, apostles, that the disciples had, if he had that power, then he could get wealthy beyond his dreams. You see, they worship God when convenient, for personal gain, And thirdly, without regard for God's glory. They don't care if they're glorifying God or not. Most of the time, it's just to put themselves in the spotlight. All these TV evangelists who who, who get up there and do all that they do, they're not doing that to glorify the Father. They're doing it to gain money and fame. They, They worship God in hypocrisy. It's very sad indeed this morning when we consider the decay of the worship of God across our nation. But it is not too late. 
we can resolve today to change our hearts and minds and to worship God in spirit and in truth. Listen, if, if the Holy Spirit has convicted you this morning about something that you need to change in your life, then change it. Do not resist the Holy Spirit. Submit. Give God your, your, your heart. Give him your, your mind and, and, and submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit will never, ever lead you into error. If you make a decision, if you do something that ends up badly, then that wasn't the Holy Spirit leading you there. Because the, my Bible tells me that the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. He never leads us into a lie. So we, this morning, resolve to worship God. But secondly, this morning, I think we should consider to resolve to walk with God. You're at John, you should be in John chapter 4. Let's go to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. And let's begin at verse number 59. Beginning at verse 59. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, does this, does, does this offend you? What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascending up where he was before? It is the spirit that quickeneth uh, the flesh, profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. Now look at verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Now these 12 men didn't forsake the Lord. They resolved to follow him. They resolved to continue with him. They resolved to walk with God. In the verses preceding this passage we just read, Jesus spoke of the hardships and the expectations placed upon his disciples. And when the people heard his expectations, they went away from him. And the same is true today. Over the past 32 years, I've mentored many young men who came to me and aspired to walk with God. Many have faced the trials of being a disciple of Christ and have continued in that walk with God. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, Paul writes, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. 
Thou, therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Christ. Paul understood the cost of discipleship. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, he writes, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. He also wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Again, in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, he writes, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. In Christ Jesus. Paul knew what it, what it meant to pay a price to walk with God. However, though I've seen some young men over the years fight through the battles and succeed, there have been many more who have forsaken their walk with God. Many who, when faced with the cost of discipleship, go away sadly. As we see in Mark chapter 10 and verse 22, when Jesus spoke to the rich young ruler and and told him all the things that he must needs do, we read, and he was sad at that saying and went away grieved for he had great possessions. Yet he loved his possessions. He loved his material things more than he did. He valued them more highly than his own spiritual life. You see, many today want to walk with God as long as it doesn't cost them anything. And as long as it doesn't interfere with their activities, and as long as it doesn't conflict with their pleasures, the crowds following Jesus were content to be his disciples as long as he was feeding them and as long as he was healing them. Without any strings attached, they were content to follow the Lord. But as soon as they learned what he expected from them in return, they went away. Now, what about us this morning? Are we prepared to commit to walking with God? Are we prepared to commit to serving the Lord with our lives? Are we prepared to commit to raising our children in church, to living our life in such a manner that we represent Jesus Christ to our own children? Some parents are so careless, so careless raising their children, allowing them to, exposing them to, to things they ought never even hear about. As soon as the price was there, they forsook the Lord. But we, we of Berean Baptist Church, we must be faithful to walk with God regardless of the cost. So let us resolve today to walk with God no matter the cost. And then thirdly, today resolve to live in the word of God. I'd like you to turn your Bibles with me to Psalm 119. It's pretty easy to find. It's right in the middle of the Bible. Psalm 119. As soon as I say it's pretty easy to find, I can't find it. Oh, there it is. Psalm 119, 
And we're going to begin reading in verse number 9. Beginning at verse 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Now, that last statement is very interesting. I will not forget thy word. You know, it is so easy to get so wrapped up in what we're doing in our lives that we totally forget who we are and who we belong to. You know, there's an old saying, it goes out of sight and out of mind. And this is why it's so important. This is why it is so important that we as Christian people resolve to live our lives in God's word. The vast majority of people who claim to be Christians only open their Bible at church. And it's easy to find churches who claim to be Christian where you don't even need the Bible. You'd be better off bringing the newspaper into church. We're, we need, we need as God's people, we need to live in God's word. Now, in the passage of Psalms that we read just a moment ago, David gives us an outline for living for God. What did he tell us in, this, in these verses that I just read? Well, first of all, he told us that we would live, live that we would clean, clean, Having trouble speaking this morning, please forgive me. That we would have, that we would cleanse our life first. What? Number one, by heeding God's word. I told you I'm a lot more nervous preaching than I am singing, so. First, by heeding God's word. This is a matter, I don't have this on your study sheet, but you might want to write this word right out next to um, that. And that is, this is obedience. David says you'll succeed in your Christian walk if you learn to obey. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses uh, 22 and 23, Samuel writes, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. We read this last hour. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Heeding God's word. This is, this is obeying the word of God entirely and completely and immediately. Go to Genesis and, and read the story of God commanding Abraham to go and sacrifice his only son Isaac. And you'll read there that, that Abraham rose early in the morning. He immediately obeyed God. Obedience. 
We live successful lives not only by heeding God's word, but secondly, by seeking truth. Now, next to seeking truth, write this. This represents study. Study. Dissecting God's word and knowing and understanding what God is saying. You know, it might interest some of you to know, we actually have a Bible study here at our church. It takes place every Wednesday evening. Oh, but I got, I got something else I have to do on Wednesday. Oh, I, I have to get the kids homework and get them to bed on Wednesday. Listen, I'd rather send my kids to school unable to hold their eyes open, but knowing about God. And by the way, anyone who would tell me that, I know your children go to bed later than they would if they came to church. Because they're up, they're up posting on Facebook till 2 or 3 a.m. Yeah. My students used to show up for high school class and I couldn't hardly keep them awake. I'd say, what time do you go to bed? Uh, 2 o'clock. What were you doing? I was on Facebook. None of them are, 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 would deny it either. So don't, don't, don't use excuses. Listen. David said... I keep my life clean and holy in God's eyes by seeking truth. What does it mean to seek? You ever play hide and seek? I was good at hide and seek. I used to hide and fall asleep. (laughs) By seeking truth. This is by studying. 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing. The word of truth. Thirdly, live for God by hiding truth in your heart. Write this word, memorizing or memorization. Memorizing scripture. Why do, why do we make students in our school memorize scripture? Well, in 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter tells us, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. We need to, we need to hide God's word in our heart so that in those times when we're tempted, in those times when we're tried and tested, We can draw upon the word that is hidden in our heart. Next, David says, by proclaiming God's precepts. Next to that, write this word. Witness. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, Paul writes, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, repute, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. I mentioned it uh, a little earlier. We're going, to, we're going to try to get an outreach program going. That means people need to go out and visit. And thank God for, for those of you in this room that do that now. But we need everybody involved. Whether it be by actually going out and making visits or whether it be by, 
by uh, canvassing sections of, of town and handing out literature, or whether it, it, it simply be by, by praying and praying to God for, for success in, in the outreach of his word. Every one of us, every one of us needs to be involved in the outreach ministries and the soul-winning ministries of our church. Often I sit in the pastor's office and, and he's very grieved about this and burdened about it. And, and, and we've determined this year, we've made a New Year's resolution, if you will. We've resolved this year to be faithful in this matter of witnessing. Will you join us? Will you get on board? Will you, will you go to the pastor or come to me and say, put my name down because I want to get involved? David said in Psalm 51, wash me, cleanse me, O Lord. David was grieved by, by his sinful life and he asked the Lord to cleanse him. And then he said he would be able to go out and, and, and tell others of Christ. Next, live for God by rejoicing in God's righteousness. Next to that, write good companions. Run with the right crowd. Be, be around the right people. Now, I don't think you should be mean or, 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 or unkind to anyone, but there are certain people you just shouldn't associate with. Because they, they are not like-minded. They are not concerned with your spiritual well-being. In Isaiah chapter 61, we read from verses 10 and 11. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments. And as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. For as the earth bringeth forth her bud, and as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. We can't, we can't produce this kind of life unless we are, are, are associating ourselves with the right people. Listen, the devil wants you to focus on all the negative things in life. He wants you to gripe and complain at every turn. But listen to the words of the psalmist as he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write in Psalm 89. We read, Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. In thy name shall they rejoice all the day. And in thy righteousness shall they be exalted. For thou art the glory of their strength, and in thy favor our horn shall be exalted. For the Lord is our defense, and the Holy One of Israel is our King. Listen, the world and and those in the world will always disappoint you, because it is filled with sin and corruption. But we can rejoice today, because of God's righteousness. And then, next... By meditating upon morality. These are the things that we find when we dissect Psalm 119, verses beginning at verse 9. The psalmist says, by meditating upon the morality in, in, in life. Psalm 19, verse 7 through 14. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. 
The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. If we focus on this world... then all we will have is the evil of this world. Meditate on God and his righteousness. Meditate upon his wonderful grace, his boundless mercy, and his everlasting love. And then, lastly, David tells us to delight in God's laws. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, we read, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There are two ways to view God's laws. First, you can view them as a hindrance to your freedoms and your liberties. Or secondly, you can view them as a guardian of your heart, mind, and soul. Time does not allow me to go any further with this message. However, before I do close, I want to ask you this final question. Are you resolved to make spiritual changes in your life this coming year? I ask this question because some in this room today have become as the parable of the sower we read earlier in Matthew. In in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 22, we read, He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. There are some in this room that do not live a fruitful Christian life. Because you're too wrapped up in other things. You fail to see why we are here. We fail to live our lives for God and to his glory. So don't be that one. Resolve this year to be like the next sower in the parable, which says, But he that received seed into the good ground... Is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Be that Christian. And you can be. It's a matter of choice. It's a matter of determining to do the things that you need to do in order to live your life to the glory of God. And then yielding and submitting to the Holy Spirit and doing them. I pray today that this message would have been received in the spirit that it was given. I love our church and I I love you, our, our church members, and desire 
a desire that we would live our lives in such a way that these young people that are growing up would, would see our faithfulness and, and see our dedication, and they would be inspired by that to live their life in the same manner. Oh, but if we're careless, one doesn't have to look too hard to see the condition of our world today, to see the condition of young people who are suffering from the result of pulling God and God's word out of the school systems. People, we, are, we are experiencing today the result of pulling God out of the courtrooms, pulling God out of our legislative halls. We are experiencing the result of a godless generation. And it's only going to get worse unless we resolve to change our lives. We, the adults, change our lives and live our lives as an example before our children so that they would have a godly example in front of them and many godly examples in front of them in a church. And they would be encouraged and they would be exalted and they would be lifted to live their lives for God's glory. But even more important than that, we should resolve to live our lives in such a way that we please and honor our Heavenly Father. I am resolved. I can't answer for you. I can only answer for myself. You have to answer that question yourself. Will you resolve to make spiritual changes in your life, in your home, so that our lives will honor and glorify God before all men. Let's pray. Father, it is, it's heartbreaking today to see the plight of our young people, the younger generation. The Bible even says there was a generation that knew not God. And Lord, we, we have a generation today who, who don't know and don't care about God. So, Father, I pray that you would strengthen each of us, each of us in this church, that you would strengthen us, that, that we would be a stopgap, that we would stop now, and that we would turn our hearts and minds so that we might live a, a life that glorifies and honors you, regardless of who does it with us, if no one does it with us. Give us the strength to do it for your glory and for your honor so that people will know there is a God and so that your name will be magnified and glorified at least in this place. So bless us, strengthen us, break our hearts and wills so that, so that we will live our lives to your glory and honor. Thank you, Father, for all that are here today. We pray for our pastor today that you would keep him safe and bring him home safely. And Father, we'll thank you and we'll praise you and give you all the glory and honor for all these things. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.